if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Wednesday edition, the 16th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2020. Big day today. A lot going on coming up on the program. We are going to be talking about trans. Um, <sighs> I almost said the wrong word. I almost said the word that has become taboo or taboo, if you will, uh, in this culture. I almost said a different trans word. Transgendered people trying to tell the rest of American society how to live and what they should be allowed to do and what they should not be to do. Moreover, the transgender community trying to essentially erase womanhood and erase opportunities that women have fought long and hard for to get in this country by redefining and changing what a woman is. These issues are not going away. I know, especially in our world, the world of talk radio, the world of punditry, the world of commentary and opinion, et cetera, et cetera, on all of the things going on. It's it's all about President Trump's legal challenges for the White House. It's all about Joe Biden and his, his uh, transition team and his wonderfully diverse cabinet that he's putting together based on color and um, uh, based on window dressing, essentially, rather than content and qualifications, because he wants the cabinet to look like America. It's one of the most ridiculous and dangerous things ever. But all of the, you know, a lot of the, most of the conversation, let's settle on that as I find my way through. Uh, most of the conversations now are on those issues. The Biden transition, uh, maybe a little bit on the Hunter Biden affair and his obvious relationship with the Chinese and whether or not that extends to Joe Biden in enough depth to hurt him. All of those things are the top stories, but we're not going to go, these other issues are not going to go away. They will not allow them to go away. They being the American left. And their insistence upon identity politics becoming identity culture, becoming on people in the norm, in the, you know, people who have practiced normative behaviors and a culture that has been accepted as normal for so many centuries, literally for at least the last two and a half centuries since this country started, um, Having to cast all of that aside in the favor of the strange, bizarre requests of a very, very, very relative few. Uh, they're not going away. And transgender, LGBTQ, XYZ, exclamation point, ampersand, uh, hashtag, question mark, all of those people are not going to allow it to. 
And Tulsi Gabbard, former Democratic candidate for president, is one of those who has said enough is enough. That's right. She is angering the Democratic establishment because how dare you not be full on woke with the transgender LGBTQ exclamation point community? How dare you? And she has come out and said, look, look, women are women. And there is no discussion about that. Females are females and males are males. Whatever you identify as is your business and your problem, but you cannot discriminate against real women on that basis. And like I said, Tulsi Gabbard is catching some flack for this, a lot of it. We are going to be talking about it with ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, because they have represented a lot of individuals who have been harmed and damaged by uh, the transgender agenda, if you will, including a couple of high school kids, a couple of high school girls, actual girls, real girls in uh, Connecticut who uh, lost their spots on teams, lost their records, lost their championships, lost their opportunities to biological males who destroyed all of their state uh, track and field records. And so we're going to be talking uh, about that coming up with um, uh, with our guest from Alliance Defending Freedom at 935, I believe it's going to be, 935. So I'm very much looking forward to that conversation. Then at 1010, we're going to bring the firebrand back onto the program, Tom Z, Tom Zawistowski, Portage County Tea Party and uh, the We the People Convention. Tom is fired up, as am I, about the state of Ohio right now and our, the, well, our endurance of the relentless pressure of health orders and governmental orders by a little uh, bespectacled buffoon who has grown way, way too big for his britches. And, of course, I'm speaking of Mike DeWine, whose power has essentially been outsized uh, by his own making. And Senate Bill 311 was passed by the Ohio State Senate. It was passed by the Ohio House of Representatives. And then it was summarily vetoed by Mike DeWine. What does that bill do? We've covered this in some depth. Senate Bill 311 essentially would bring the legislature back into play. Right now, the executive branch is acting unilaterally. Mike DeWine and his health department are making all of the rules. Judges don't matter because as soon as a judge says you can't do that, that's unconstitutional. They file an appeal and we're into the holding pattern now of the judicial appellate system. The legislature doesn't matter at all. The Ohio General Assembly gets no say in whether or not decisions are made to shut down bars, restaurants, decide what businesses are essential and which ones are not, force people to uh, abandon their First Amendment rights by making them stay home from church, not be allowed to sing at church, not be allowed to be seen in public without a mask. First Amendment rights, basic First Amendment rights of assembly, of gathering, and of speech, yes, all of them being attacked by the executive branch. So Senate Bill 311 was going to essentially just give the legislature a say, if you want to close this down, that down, if you want to make this mandate, that mandate, we're going to have to pass it in the, in the, the General Assembly. You can't just do it unilaterally. In other words, the legislature would be giving you a say in what is done with your health, and your businesses, your jobs, your liberty. And Mike DeWine said, nope. The legislature, i.e. your representatives, should have no say in any of those things. I.e., or rather, that means that you have no say in any of those things. 
And that's a problem. That's a big problem for a lot of us. So why am I bringing up Senate Bill 311? Because I am told by a House representative that tomorrow is virtually the last chance that the Ohio House will have to override Mike DeWine's veto. That's a problem for the obvious reasons. Tomorrow is the last chance, I am told, because the House is not going to reconvene after Christmas. That's it. The House is, if they don't get it done tomorrow, it's not going to be done. That's what I've been told. House members will not come back after Christmas. So, if the House, the last chance for the House to vote, and I don't even know how many of the House members are there, to be 100% honest with you, I don't even know how many senators are able to be called into session or not. But our issue here, because of you know, there are several of them that have stayed away either due to COVID or due to contact tracing or due to fear of getting COVID, and all of those are potential issues. But I bring this up today because if the House, ha- you know, their last chance to vote on this is going to be tomorrow, well, that means that Larry Obhoff, the president of the Ohio Senate, is going to have to act today. Larry Oboff is going to have to call the Senate into session, and he's going to have to vote to override the veto now. Now, according to several sources in Columbus that I can refer to, the Senate has the votes to override. Larry Oboff just has to call the session. He just has to call for the vote. And there are enough votes to override. The Rhino Republicans are starting to, I don't know, uh, polish their horns, if you will, if I can follow the metaphor a little further. The Rhinos are actually going to use their horns, and they're going to be tough about this. And they're willing to challenge the governor and override this veto. That's huge. That's enormous, if that's true. But Larry Oboff is not calling the, uh, uh, the meeting, the session, and the vote. And if we don't get it overridden by the Senate, then we can't send it to the House for that last gasp before Christmas, and quite frankly, of the term, um, in the House side. So the question is, is where are you, Larry Oboff? And I can tell you this, I called his office. I know a lot of other people who are active in the political community and who are active in securing and protecting our constitutional rights, conservative group leaders who have contacted Larry Oboff. He's not returning calls. His voicemail box is full. He's ignoring text messages. He's ignoring emails. Larry Oboff wants nothing to do with this. And it's time for us to put on political pressure. Now, the problem with that is, of course, Larry Oboff's term is up. Larry Oboff is term limited. Larry Oboff is out. Okay. So he can't really, quote-unquote, face political pressure. It's not going to be something that you can force him, hey, if you don't do something, then we're not going to reelect you. In fact, if he has any future in uh, the political sphere at all, the public realm, if you will, it's probably going to be in the form of an appointment to some position or another, possibly and probably a judgeship from Governor Mike DeWine. And if he wants a judgeship from Governor Mike DeWine, he sure as heck isn't going to call the session in and lead a vote to override Mike DeWine's veto limiting his power. So what I'm going to ask you to do today 
is continue to put on the pressure on behalf of Ohio residents and business owners that are suffering and struggling under Mike DeWine's unconstitutional orders. The legislature is ready to speak for us. They're ready to step up and represent us, which is what their job is. That's why they call them members of the House of Representatives. They represent you and I uh, all across this state. And they are ready to step up and do it. But A, we need the Senate president, a Republican, Larry Aboff, to call the meeting, to call the session, and to call for the vote. And then we need to get it done expeditiously so that the House can get enough people in the building to get 60 tomorrow uh, on their side of things. So we're going to be talking about all of the above with Tom Zawistowski. That'll be at 1010, and uh, I know he's going to ask you to put some pressure on as well as I am. All right, it's 919. We'll take a quick time out here. And uh, I want to get you involved in the conversation whenever you're ready at 216-901-0945. There's a lot of news today. Not all of it has to do with transitions and election challenges. There are a lot of things that we have to face regardless of who's in charge. So I want you to join me to talk about them on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 924, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Don't forget, uh, uh, welcome your phone calls whenever you want to make them at 216-901-0945. And again, 888-281-1110. We'll put you up and on the radio coming up in about 10 minutes, maybe a minute or two longer. Uh, we're going to be talking with ADF uh, Denise Harrell from or Harley from uh, Alliance Defending Freedom will join us to talk about the latest attack on women. I want to... Uh, I want to see if I can share this with you before I do before I do go to that conversation. Tulsi Gabbard is again, she's a Democrat. She is a little bit of a better Democrat, if I can say that. And there aren't a, aren't a whole lot of them that I'm fond of necessarily. Um, but Tulsi Gabbard is a little bit different. She is not as far left nutty as so many of them. And she made a video that she posted to Twitter. Uh, just a few short days ago, it was on December 13th, and Tulsi Gabbard said this uh, in the video, or actually as her commentary uh, above the video, Title IX is an historic law that positively changed everything for women and girls. This video explains how and why I introduced the Protect Women's Sports Act to, clear, excuse me, to clarify, uphold, and strengthen the original intent of Title IX, ensuring a level playing girl, uh, field, excuse me, a level playing field for girls and women. I want to, I want you to listen just a little bit of this because it'll give you a kind of the backdrop of the conversation we're going to have with uh, Denise at Alliance Defending Freedom. The attack on females, the attack on actual women, the attack on actual, real, anatomical, biological, chromosomal, physiological girls and women is relentless, and it is only picking up steam because of the Biden potential of a Biden administration. All of the special interest identity groups, the social justice groups, etc., have found new spirit, and, and they have been emboldened to challenge even more of the norms that the rest of us have uh, accepted over the last two and a half centuries of American life. Okay? Uh, Tulsi Gabbard is saying enough is enough. Enough of this delegitimizing actual real women and girls. Listen to Tulsi Gabbard. I think this is... Hey, everybody. I hope that you're all doing well on this beautiful Sunday. 
I just want to take a moment to talk to you about Title IX and some recent legislation that I introduced. Uh, you may know Title IX is a historic uh, provision created in 1972 that was based on the recognition of a biological distinction between men and women and to make sure that women and girls have equal opportunities, especially as it relates to competitive sports. Now, it was specifically created as a carve-out to existing anti-discrimination laws that not only allowed, but actually required educational institutions who receive federal money to provide separate programs and opportunities for females based on biological sex, recognizing this is the only way for girls and women to achieve equality in competitive sports. Now, in today's world, decades later, this is something that we may take for granted, but its enactment in 1972 led to a massive generational shift that positively impacted countless girls and women. If you look back to the days before Title IX, there was really no such thing as competitive female sports, uh, maybe intramural leagues, but that was about it. Female athletes didn't get any funding from their schools for things like travel if they wanted to compete, and had to sell cookies or wash cars to raise money for their bus tickets. Uh, they could only use the basketball court if the boys weren't using it. Uh, after winning two gold medals in the 1964 Olympics, a swimmer named Donna De Verona, she could not obtain a college swimming scholarship because for women at that time, there was no such thing. So Title IX changed everything. And Donna went on to become the first president of the Women's Sports Foundation, where she's talked about the fact that since 1972, since Title IX, because of increased funding and institutional opportunities, there's been a 545% increase in the percentage of women playing college sports and a 990% increase in the percentage of women playing high school sports. Okay, I'm going to stop it there because those are the numbers that are key astronomical jumps in participation in healthy, good, spirited, athletic competition among girls. 990% increase in girls playing high school sports since the implementation of Title IX. 550% increase in girls playing college sports since the implementation of Title IX. Those are great things for our daughters. And maybe these are women who are now your wives. That is a phenomenal thing, and it is all in jeopardy because of our insistence upon bowing down at the feet of A, political correctness, and B, what they are calling social justice in the LGBTQXYZNY ampersand exclamation point hashtag group. Uh, That's about as much respect as I can give that giant acronym or or list of letters. Um, Anyway... It is all in jeopardy because of the agenda of this organization to tell real girls you have to compete against biological and anatomical boys. And as we know, Title IX was created because girls simply are built differently and cannot compete at the level with boys. And all of those who want to play are going to be in serious jeopardy if they realize they have to run against physically superior uh, anatomical and biological males. So Tulsi Gabbard is fighting 
and so is Alliance Defending Freedom. Alliance Defending Freedom is going to be joining us next. Denise Harley will be joining us. She's an attorney representing uh, some high school girls who have already been uh, had some of their rights stripped from them in terms of competition in violation of Title IX rules. So we're going to kind of uh, give you an update on the progress there to push back against this radical LGBTQ, uh, et cetera, uh, agenda when we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 935, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Before I bring in our guest, I want to give you a little bit more of the backdrop of what Tulsi Gabbard is talking about as she uh, files a lawsuit and is uh, arguing very uh, vehemently on behalf of Title IX and how women and girls are going to be greatly damaged if Title IX is not respected and actual biological females are forced to compete against biological males. This is um, from Prager University, just a quick 40-second clip of Selena Soul, one of the top five female high school sprinters in the state of Connecticut until she had to compete against biological boys, which changed the game entirely. I've been training to be a championship sprinter since I was eight years old. With the help of my parents, my coaches, and my teammates, I did it. By sophomore year of high school in 2018, I was one of the top five female high school sprinters in Connecticut. But then, one day, I wasn't. At the state championships that year, two people passed me, passed all of us girls, literally. They finished first and second in our races, dominating the field. Were they more motivated? Did they train harder? I don't think so. But they did have an edge, a big one we couldn't match. They were biological boys And that is the end of the story. It should be anyway, but of course we know it isn't because those biological boys are trying to insist that they are not boys. They are girls just like Selena. And with that, I do bring in our guest now. Denise Harley is back with us on AM 1420, The Answer. She serves as senior counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. She's a member of the Center for Life, and she has been on the case for Selena Soul and girls in Connecticut and obviously in the bigger picture around the country as it pertains to Title IX protections. Uh, she uh, filed a lawsuit along with AD in 2019, alleging Title IX violations in this case. Denise, good to have you back on the program. Program, How are you? I'm great, Bob. Great to be talking with you again. And you as well. You know, this, uh, this case is obviously ongoing, and it's, uh, uh, it, it's alerted a lot of people to the seriously uh, unjust, you know, the unlevel playing field, if you want to use that metaphor or that uh, analogy, that girls are being forced to compete on. But normally... Denise, it's been people like me and people who are more conservative-minded and, quite frankly, simply more constitutional-minded and respectful of the law that have had this uh, this opinion to defend the girls. But Democratic House Representative Tulsi Gabbard has uh, angered those on her side of the aisle by stepping up recently, and she uh, has introduced the, it's not a lawsuit, I think I said it was a lawsuit, it's a bill, she has introduced the Protect Women Sports Act, and this has got to make you and others feel confident about what you're doing on behalf of girls and women who want to play in sports to have somebody who's on the other side of the aisle on your side for a change. Oh, it is great to see bipartisan legislation at Congress supporting this common sense argument that we've been making. Um, And Representative Gabbard put out a fantastic little video clip on Twitter explaining the reasoning behind it. And it's so basic. You know, biology is not bigotry. And 
to take away opportunities from girls and women is really to just gut what Title IX um, had done for 50 years in helping girls and women succeed. So I think it's something that people on both sides of the aisle should be able to get behind because um, it's really just it's science. You know what? That's very well said. It is science. And and just for the uninitiated, explain exactly what Title IX says. Sure. So Title IX has been around for about 50 years, and it ensures that women get equal opportunities in education and athletics. Um, So that means that that's sort of the origin of the women's divisions in sports so that girls can compete on a level playing field. Um, Because everyone knows that allowing males to compete in girls' sports it destroys fair competition. And so what was happening before Title IX is that there really weren't women's sports. Um, but Title IX ensured that girls have the same opportunities to have that experience of training and bonding and competing and achieving victories. It's something that's good for self-esteem and it's good for self-discipline. Um, and it gives them opportunities to even earn college scholarships. So yeah, it's well- really, really important. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, participating and competing in sports is great for girls in the same way that it's great for boys. I mean, all of the same things you just said, self-esteem, competition, health, uh, all of those things are advanced by participation in sports, which is why I'm such a strong advocate of it at all levels and why I think this is so important for girls not to be shut out. Now, in that... um clip or in that video you mentioned that uh, Tulsi Gabbard posted to YouTube she pointed out that since title 9 there's been a 550% increase in female college sports participation and a 9 it's hard to you really wrap your brain on what, what the, around what this means 990% not 99 990% increase in girls playing sports at the high school level who can possibly not want title 9 to be respected and protected when it has such a an enormous impact on millions of girls across this country. Isn't that amazing? And another stat that I love is that 96% of female CEOs played competitive sports. So there's something bigger that happens when girls get to compete in this way. But you know what's going to happen if the girls' divisions are opened up to boys is that every male on the podium is going to knock one girl off, and it's going to be girls not winning medals, losing morale, um, and just not having a fair opportunity to aim for their goals. Um, so I think it's it's really important that we, you know, if Title IX is not going to be interpreted pro- properly by the courts, which we hope it will be, then legislation yeah. like this to make crystal clear what's going on here is really important. Yeah, and you know, you know what's really uh, interesting? We're talking to Denise Harley, an attorney for Alliance Defending Freedom, doing their level best to try to protect girls and protect women, quite frankly, legitimate biological chromosomal women who are uh, whose opportunities are being limited and threatened by biological chromosomal males. Um, Selena Soul, I played that clip at the beginning, and obviously you and ADF represent her and uh, uh, in that uh, lawsuit against the state of Connecticut, which allowed the boys to essentially take away. Uh, they're not fighting for themselves anymore. They've graduated. She and uh, and uh, the other uh, female runners, they, they have graduated, so they're not fighting for themselves, and they're not looking for payments. They are looking to protect the next you know uh, se- several years of girls coming up and being given an opportunity to race against other girls, and that if guys... You you know, want to question their own uh, identity or whatever it is, fine, but you still got to run against the boys. If you're a biologically and anatomically a male, you've got to run against the male. So can you tell me a little bit more about them and the courage that they are showing in, in fighting this fight, even though it's never going to benefit them, them you know, personally themselves again? 
my pleasure to talk about their courage because that's really what it is. These young women have spoken up and stood up in a time when temperatures running high on a very contentious issue. And we now have mm-hmm. four clients who were high school track athletes in Connecticut. And they are speaking out about their experience, and they're doing it on behalf of girls around the nation. So all of these girls were extremely competitive. They were top track athletes in the state. Um, they were winning medals, placing in the state championships. And then two boys began competing as um, as girls in the girls' division and immediately taking first and second in almost all of the races that they were in, you know, obviously, because boys have physical advantages over girls. And so right. these girls experienced um, just the frustration and the demoralizing experience of of knowing they were going to lose before the race even started. And so because of losing out on opportunities to showcase themselves in front of college scouts and so forth, um, these girls have, have been really brave and, and, you know, fighting for women's rights. And it's a really encouraging right. thing to see among the youngest generation. That is well said. That's At the end of the day, that's what this is. And here's what I don't understand, and maybe you can try to wrap your brain around it for and explain it to us. Um, how can so-called civil rights pioneers uh, in the Democrat Party, I'm not trying to politicize this, but I mean, really, we do need, as you said, bipartisan support to protect women. You know, the feminist movement is largely leftist. The feminist movement is largely on the Democrat, Democrat side of the political spectrum. How can people who supposedly are for women's rights and for, you know, feminism, if you will, possibly side with biological males taking rights and opportunities away from girls? I mean, that's the bizarre part about this. Can you even try to understand that? I think what I'll do is I'll quote what Representative Gappert said um, in her video, and she said, it is the height of hypocrisy for those who are advocates of women's rights to deny that there's even such a thing as a woman biologically speaking. <laughs> and that's what quote. Yeah. How can yeah, you have women's that, rights that's if, exact- there, if there's no definition of women? <laughs> That well, and you know they're trying to change the definition of woman to be anybody who says they think they're a woman, and that's you know regardless of what their chromosomes say, regardless of what their physical advantages, as you talk about, say physiological advantages, uh, if they happen to be biological males, and that's the frustrating thing about this. So, uh, are, is Alliance Defending Freedom doing anything to promote or help or assist Tulsi Gabbard in the introduction of that bill, the uh, Protect Women Sports Act? Well, it's just recently introduced. Um, We're very excited because we've been um, assisting states in passing similar legislation, including Idaho. I don't know if any of your listeners may have seen that case. Um, We've been supporting a very almost identical law at the state level. So yes, we are, we're hopeful that our clients will be able to be advocates for this law. Um, And we're hoping that this law makes the lawsuit irrelevant because if we get this legislation at the federal level clarifying that Title IX protects women, uh, biological girls and women, then, you know, maybe we won't have to fight these battles in court. And I think that's right. That would be a great thing. So the people like Selena uh, Sewell and uh, the other girls, and I apologize for forgetting the the, the uh, other girls' names. Um, I, I Chelsea, oh, here they are. I apologize again because I do know them. Chelsea Mitchell and Alana Smith are also featured uh, along with Selena Sewell here. But then rather than them being denied their opportunities and then seeking relief in the courts, as you say, they won't have to face any of this at all. It will just be codified into law that girls are girls, 
and boys are boys, and they should not compete against one another in, in athletic competitions by way of uh, Title IX. And hopefully that is exactly what is the result of that bill. Uh, but in the meantime... It's so good to know that they have you, Denise, and the rest of the wonderful attorneys at Alliance Defending Freedom to uh, to have their backs. I always ask any attorney, you know this, uh, from Alliance Defending Freedom who comes on to tell us how to support what you do. Well, we appreciate that, Bob. We are a nonprofit ministry, and we serve all of our clients pro bono, meaning we do not charge them for our legal services. Uh, we rely on people like your listeners and others who support religious liberty and freedom and the cause of uh, pro-life causes to give if they feel so led. Um, and you can do that by going to adflegal.org, ADF as in Alliance Defending Freedom, legal.org. Um, you can sign up for alerts on our cases and our newsletters. Um, you can follow along with these sorts of issues, and you can also donate uh, to help so we can continue to fight freedom uh, for people like Selena and the other girls in Connecticut. You can't miss the tab at the top of that page. It's in red. Everything else is in white, and then there is a red tab that says Donate at ADFlegal.org, as uh, Denise just said. And I strongly encourage everyone to do indeed. Get the newsletter. Get the email uh, updates. I get them. And then uh, if you've got it to donate, we're at the end of the year. Obviously, everybody's looking for tax deductions. This is a great way to do it. If you can donate some bucks to Alliance Defending Freedom so they can indeed do this uh, extraordinarily important work. I love the fact that it is indeed a legal ministry because what they're doing is is God's work here and trying to protect and defend those who cannot protect and defend themselves. Um, Denise Harley, thank you so much. Keep up the great work that you and the rest of the good folks at ADF do, and a very Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Bob. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. All right, there you go, Denise Harley uh, at um, Alliance Defending Freedom. That Tulsi Gabbard commentary that I told you is very important. I'm glad she quoted that. See, Tulsi's full video is about eight minutes long. I don't want to give you all of that. Um, which means I didn't get to the line that she just used, the quote that she just uh, made in there about women and women's sports. Um, it is extraordinarily important. In fact, I'll tell you what I'll do. The, I love this because I hate Twitter. Tulsi put this on Twitter. I'm going to copy it from Twitter and post it on my parlor account. <laughs> I don't have a Twitter account anymore. I got rid of it. I dumped it for obvious reasons. Same reason you should. Uh, but I will post Tulsi Gabbard's video on my Parler account. So if you are on Parler, follow me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, and you can see the rest of Tulsi Gabbard's explanation of her lawsuit. She is This is courageous, too. Democrats are furious because Tulsi Gabbard is daring to stray from the Democrat you know, mindset, ideology, the plantation, if you will, that we use sometimes. Tulsi Gabbard is straying out there and saying, you know what, this is wrong, we're not going to do this to women. And uh, she is in trouble for that, so it's courageous of her too. I'll share that on my Parlor account, and we'll be right back. Okay, 955, we continue, and 1420, the answer. So I just posted it. Check it out for yourself. Uh, it's on my parlor page, my parlor uh, uh, account, which is France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all together, one word, no spaces, and no underscores. And uh, just to underline again or underscore this, the line that uh, Denise quoted from Tulsi Gabbard's video that is so important here is about 
biological women and uh, and biological males. She said, let's be honest, there are some people who oppose my bill, the Protect Women's Sports Act, Title IX, because they don't like uh, Title IX in the first place. And they don't like Title IX because it's based on that recognition of the biological distinction between men and women. But it is a scientifically established fact that there is such a thing as a man and a woman. It is also common sense. So it is the height of hypocrisy, she said, for those who claim to be advocates for women's rights to deny that there is even such a thing as a woman, biologically speaking, to deny the very biological distinction that makes women women and not men. This is driving the left berserk. How dare you? I mean, this is a time. Let me give you an example. You want to know why they're so livid about this? First of all, because it exposes their hypocrisy. And there's just no other way to say that. They are just giant hypocrites. This is the party that claims to be the party of science. How can you deny climate change? Look at the science. How can you deny that masks work on COVID? Look at the science. All of this science that they're talking about, none of which is proven, is, 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 uh, you know, makes them the quote unquote party of science mocking the rest of us. Yet the reality is, that there is proven science that indicates that a male is a male and a female is a female. It's called chromosomal science. There is anatomical proof as well, but there's chromosomal proof. There's biological proof. And yet they're the party of science? Are you kidding me? But the other thing, again, is the hypocrisy in all of this. The Democrats don't want to acknowledge that women are women and men are men. Be in, in, in the same way that they don't want to acknowledge life. They don't want to acknowledge that life begins at conception and exists as its own personal being within a mother's womb. If they can deny chromosomal science when it comes to identifying men and women, they can certainly deny the existence of another human being inside of another human being. The hypocrisy. Let me give you an example, by the way, of how died in the wool they are on this. I was just saw a story on this last night on one of the news channels my wife had on. I don't remember which one it was, but it was one of the entertainment shows or something like that. Anyway, um, there's a singer named Sean Mendez who apparently had to issue an apology to another singer named Sam Smith because he introduced Sam Smith at an award show, which one, I don't know, and Jimmy Crackcorn, and I don't care. But he introduced him at a, at a sports show, or, or excuse me, an awards show, and introduced him by referring to him, literally saying, Sam Smith, he is whatever it was that he did. And then he had to issue an online apology because the social media mob, the social justice warriors, the social justice snowflakes came for him. Because Sam Smith prefers, who says he is a homosexual, which, again, Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care. But he also apparently prefers to use different pronouns, ignoring his biology. He wants to be apparently more than one of himself because he prefers plural pronouns, they and them. So how bad is it in this country? How bad are the 97, 98% of people who are not in that uh, uh, confused state of mind? 
98 to 99 or whatever the number is, a percent of people have to bow down to what the 1 or 2% of the trans community feels like? Sean Mendez had to go online and issue an apology for calling him a he and not a they or a them. He knows. his enti- He'll be in cancel culture leftist America. This Sean Mendez cat would have been destroyed, canceled, if he hadn't apologized online to Sam Smith for not calling Sam Smith more than one Sam Smith, for not calling him a they or a them. They are so devoted to this special interest identity politics nonsense that the rest of us have to do exactly what they say or risk losing our jobs, our livelihoods, our opportunities, our reputations. And that's one one of the reasons, like I said, why I'm so glad that Tulsi Gabbard, a Democrat from Hawaii, Tulsi Gabbard is actually courageous enough to challenge this uh, this ridiculous leftist orthodoxy. All right, we're going to take a time out now at 10 o'clock for the news. And on the flip side, we're coming back home locally to what's going on in Ohio. Senate Bill 311 passed the House. Senate Bill 311 passed the Senate. Senate Bill 311 was going to limit Mike DeWine's power. Mike DeWine summarily vetoed Senate Bill 311. We're begging for an override. The votes look like they're there. So why aren't we having the votes? Tom Zawistowski will talk about that next on AM.